Welcome to the Best of MBS podcast, a collection of the best interviews hosted by Michael Bungay Stanier, best-selling author of The Coaching Habit and How to Begin. Today's interview is from the Find Your Great Work interview series. Here's your host, MBS. I am with my friend Sally Hogshead, who I can now say is a New York Times best-selling author because her new book, How the World Sees You, came out last week, rocketed to the top of the New York Times self-help and how to do things list, uh, rocketed to the top of the Wall Street Journal list. And what I love about this is how well-deserved it is. This is the culmination of three years hard work, if not more, from Sally. Those of you who saw The Great Work MBA know that I did an interview with uh, Sally and know that the real focus then was on the uh, really her, her previous book about fascination. This is what takes fascinate down to the next practical level. And in some ways, this is, I think, going to be a book as big and as lasting as Strength Finder, which, you know, is perpetually in the top 10 books sold because it gives such great insight about who you are and what you do. So too Sally's book, How the World Sees You. So Sally, welcome to this call. This is going to be really exciting. And congratulations. Yay. <laughs> Yay. You know what? It's so great to be able to talk to you after, after um, you know, months have gone by since, since you and I have spoken and so much has, has happened on this front. And I really appreciate you inviting me to join you and, be, and being, being so right there with me in, in the whole the, the creative agony and ecstasy. <laughs> so give us, the, give, us, give us the foundation of this book. What is it all about? How the world sees you? What does that mean? We grew up focusing on how we see the world. When when you're when you're a little kid, um, it's uh, we're we're constantly taught to think about how we see the world. What is what is our point of view? And that works really well for a while. But then eventually, as the world becomes more distracted and commoditized and crowded, we need to focus on a different perspective. And that perspective is how does the world see you? What do people value in you? And you can think about this almost like a mirror. A traditional mirror, you look in the mirror and it reflects back all of your insecurities and your flaws. And um, some days you like what you see, some days you don't. Mm. But imagine if you had a mirror that was that reflected something different. Imagine if you had a mirror that showed you how other people see you at your best. In other words, what are those qualities about your personality that make you most professionally attractive, that makes you most uh, most intellectually desirable. What what are those qualities? And if, if you could look in that mirror all the time and see yourself the way other people see you at your best, your most valuable, then you could constantly live into that. And you could just focus on what you're already doing right instead of trying to fix those other parts of yourself. So this, I mean, this reminds me a little of way back in the far, far distant past of, is it Tom Peters who came out with a brand called You? Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Yeah, in Fast Company magazine. It was a seminal article. So is, is there a connection there between what you're saying and this whole idea of thinking of yourself as a brand in some way? It, there is. I spent the first half of my career as an advertising creative director, and I worked mm. with brands like BMW and Mini Cooper and Nike and Target, and I, uh, I, I helped them write the words that described 
what makes that brand valuable, what makes, what makes the brand most attractive to its customer. And what Tom Peters did so beautifully in, in when he introduced this concept of a personal brand is he took the theory of branding and he applied it to us as individuals. But um, I, I took it in a slightly different direction. Um, building upon that work that he did, um, I identified the actual words that you need to describe who you are at your best. And so, uh, be, drawing upon this, my background as a as a copywriter, I uh, found that there are certain patterns among high performers. There are certain patterns among the, uh, how we communicate naturally when we're connecting with people, when we're impressing and inspiring them. And when you read the book, it, it describes exactly which words describe who you are at your best, so that you can use that not only in your marketing, but in your LinkedIn profile, or when you're going into an important meeting and you need to play your A game, to have those actual words is uh, something that's very motivating and, and makes you feel more confident. And I can give you an example if you like. Yeah, please. Okay, wonderful. Well, when you did the fascination advantage assessment, Michael, we yeah. learned that you your archetype is named the maverick leader. And here's what that means. There are seven different communication advantages, seven different ways that you can stand out and impress your listener. They range from innovation and passion to power and trust, mystique and alert and prestige. Mm -hmm. you, you naturally communicate in a way that's intensely creative. You have primary innovation and secondary power. When we combine these two advantages, we get the archetype, the maverick leader. Now, anybody who knows you knows this is absolutely you. <laughs> That's the, exactly. I looked at this and I went, "Oh my God, that is who I am." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. You are. You're going to be at your best. In other words, you're playing your A game when you can be pioneering, irreverent, and entrepreneurial. And these are the three words that I use to describe the Maverick leader: pioneering, irreverent, and entrepreneurial. In other words, I mean, if somebody comes to you, a client or a customer or a friend, and they say, "Michael, I really need some help. I I'm stuck." I've got this creative idea. I just don't know where to move forward with it. Can you help me? How is that going to feel to you if somebody comes to you with that type of a challenge, that they want you to be pioneering or reverent and entrepreneurial? Yeah, I'm like, I'm all over that. Right? <laughs> just yeah, hand it to me, please. Yeah, right. Like, give it to me, give it to me. And it feels so gratifying when somebody comes to you and asks you to do exactly what you naturally do best. It feels like a wellspring mm -hmm. and it feels energizing. So uh, let's turn it around, though, for a moment, Michael. Let's imagine somebody comes to you and they say, listen, we already got the problem figured out. We just need somebody to execute. So just make sure you don't screw it up and do it exactly the way it was done before. How does that feel? Yeah, you lost me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> you got a goodbye and hello. Yes. So there are certain types of problems or challenges that your personality is uniquely suited for. And there are other types of challenges that put you at a real disadvantage. Mm. And when you're forced to communicate in that way, it feels demoralizing and exhausting. Um, let's take those three adjectives that describe who, how you naturally add value, Michael. Those, those three adjectives that I gave you a moment ago, I want you to tell me which one is um, feels to you like it best describes how you're different. And the three adjectives were pioneering, irreverent, and entrepreneurial. You know, of those three, I'd probably pick irreverent as the thing that I go, this is, if I have an edge, that might be where my edge is. And irreverence isn't just about having a sense of humor that's provocative. It's about being able to see things in a counterintuitive way, to see the natural friction between two ideas and what makes them different. Irreverent is a very sophisticated word because it means that instead of having reverence for the traditional path, that you're able to see things in a way that other people wouldn't be able to see and that, and that, um, and, and that, that 
that helps you uh, it, that helps you help people see something in themselves or in their work or in their product or their service that they otherwise wouldn't necessarily be able to see. So right, let's take right. that word irreverent for a moment, and let's let's I'm going to put that aside. So that's an adjective that describes how you're different. Now I want to give you a few nouns, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to build what's called your anthem. Your okay. anthem is the tagline for your personality, and when we take the adjective and we pair it with a noun, together those two come together to, to be almost like a tagline that describes how you're different and what you do best. So I'm going to turn. I am, I am cracking open a fresh <laughs> copy. This Excellent. is This is like live radio right <laughs> and I'm turning it to page... Uh, 367. Okay. Uh, 367. There's a list of nouns, and I'm taking you through step by step through this formula to write your anthem. I'm gonna. Um, th there are a whole bunch of nouns. We've 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 done this exercise with about 20,000 people, and so we have many thousands of nouns. But I'm just gonna give you three, and I'd like you to be to pick which one describes what you do best. In other words, when you're doing what you just naturally do at your highest level, the way that you're most likely to contribute, which noun describes that? Mm -hmm. would, would, your, would, would your noun be accuracy? Would it be ideas? Or would it be work ethic? Accuracy, <laughs> ideas, work ethic. Well, in no way would it be accuracy because I'm just <laughs> entirely inaccurate. Um, of those three, definitely ideas would be the one that's most powerful. Okay, so, so if we take your adjective, which was irreverent, we take your noun, which is ideas, and we mm -hmm. put the two of those together, then the, 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 the phrase that we have is irreverent ideas. So now let's imagine that you and I are, um, we're standing outside of a really important meeting room and you're just about to go in and have a crucial conversation with a client where you either need to sell them on an idea or you want to win them over, or you want to convince them in some way. As we're standing outside the doors of this meeting about to go in, if there's one thing that you're going to deliver in this meeting, one thing that you absolutely have to make sure that you set yourself up for success in doing, it is to deliver irreverent ideas. And if you mm -hmm. fail to deliver irreverent ideas, you're not going to be operating at your highest value. You won't be impressing and influencing the client to the degree that you potentially could. So it becomes really important for you to know how you are most likely to deliver irreverent ideas. Now, what would be an example of something that you do when you're in a situation like that to make sure that you're going to deliver value to your listener? Well, I'll tell you, you know, and this is connected, and actually it comes from my own experience working in the world of branding where I help brands find a positioning and the like. And when I worked for an innovation company, and I have a little tool that I use to keep me grounded around this called the This Not That List. And on the, on the This Not That List are pairs of words, about eight or nine pairs of words, that remind me of what I'm like at my best and also remind me what I'm like, not at my worst, but when I'm at a kind of suboptimal level. So, um, you know, one of the pairs of words, and it ties in with exactly what you're saying, is um, uh, provocative, not sycophantic. So provocative, you know, very closely connected to irreverent, means that I know what that looks like and feels like. Sycophantic is kind of when you're kind of sucking up a little bit, trying to be nicey-nicey, trying to be liked. And I know what that looks like and feels like. And Sally, one of the reasons this has helped me is it really helped me go, not only do I want to remember what I'm like at my best, which is, you know, what your uh, anthem is about and what just identifying myself as the Maverick leader is about, but it's also about noticing when I fall off out of that sweet spot and what are the kind of clue, behavioral clues around that, 
which will mean that I can kind of reconnect back to the way I want to be. What a what a great way of making your success more predictable, more, um, you know, if you can't predict your success and you're in a really vulnerable position because mm. then you're, you're sort of at the, at the mercy of circumstance. But if you can see what those patterns are and see how you can predict that and how you can control that, then you can know that you're going to it's going to be much more effortless because it's going to feel like a groove that you can get in. You know, we all know that feeling when you're, you're doing a presentation or you're having a conversation with a friend and the words just seem to flow and it feels so easy and it feels mm. so good. And I know this feeling as a, as a, as a professional speaker, so there's sometimes where I come off the stage and I feel far more energized than I did even before I went on because it felt like a wellspring. I felt like I was delivering what I was meant to do. On the other hand, there are other conversations or situations that are just so exhausting and draining. Right. And so if you can know who you are at your best, if you can, if you can know the areas that make you naturally extraordinary, then you can simply focus on delivering that and take the rest of it off the table. When we study high performers, my, uh, we, over the last four years, we've studied 300,000 professionals, and we looked at the patterns among the highest performers. We went inside high-performing companies like AT&T and GE, and we found that what high performers have in common, one of, them, one of the key things they do that's different than everybody else is they, they don't try to be all things to all people. They don't try to be great at everything. They focus on being extraordinary in one particular way. They deliver a specific benefit that nobody else can touch. And because they put all their energy into over-delivering in this one specific way, they have a, a clear reputation, a clear expertise. Now, when I say when I, when I say one way of over-delivering, I'm not necessarily talking about a skill or a talent I'm talking about a quality, a personality quality, being able to provide something to the people on your team or to your clients or to the people that you love. Your personality naturally has these differentiators and they're mm. built in. You don't, you don't have to create it. You don't have to change who you are. You have to become more of who you are. And the more that you can become more of who you are, the more people come to you for exactly what you naturally do best. You know, it's, it sounds, it reminds me a little of that great Steve Jobs quote around Focus. You know, he said focus means saying no to the hundreds of other good ideas that are out there. And the tweak, as I hear you talk, is focus means saying no to the hundreds of other ways you, you can kind of show up in the world so that you actually choose to show up that plays to your innate strengths, the strengths that you've identified. I absolutely love what you just said, saying no to kind of showing up. And the reality is the world is not changed by people who sort of care. Mm. changed by people who who irrationally care and who and who are who are very focused on being truly extraordinary in one particular way um and and, and the same of it, the same is true of our personality like uh, I'll, I'll i'll give you an example um the creative process is messy and sloppy and unpredictable you cannot predict when you're going to have a breakthrough right like you can't say okay three o'clock today i'm gonna have a breakthrough right and sometimes it happens really quickly and sometimes it doesn't. Well, the problem is the publishing process is not sloppy. <laughs> the publishing process is very precise. And you get a calendar and by God, you have to stick by that calendar. Well, I had a really very awkward and uncomfortable and expensive problem um, um, in February that my final manuscript was due. And I'd been working on this for three years. So it's not like I didn't have time to have my breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the and the publisher was literally my editor Harper Collins was emailing me like daily like okay you've got three days okay you've got two days well the problem is that I had a huge breakthrough 
about a month before the manuscript was actually due. But it simply <laughs> takes time to get it from my brain yes. to the paper. And um, so I had a I, I had a terrible conundrum that um, I didn't want the book to be sort of great. I wanted the book to be freaking amazing. And so I had to make one of the most difficult phone calls of my entire life. I had to call my publisher and say, I know there's there's a PR team and a production team and a printing team and a sales team, and everybody's waiting for me to turn in the manuscript on a certain day, and I'm not going to be able to do it. And I understand this means we're going to have to push back the publication date by two weeks. And it was uh, the, the hardest conversation of my professional career. Mm-hmm. And they were not happy. When I'm <laughs> not happy, I don't mean a little not happy. I mean like reputation ruining not happy. Right. But I, but I knew that I was making the right decision because I didn't want the book to be sort of great. And the, and the piece that I, that I felt so strongly that I was going to fall on the sword for was the anthem exercise. That's, it is now part three of the book. And I would say it's my favorite thing that I've ever created in my entire career. And not only is it – it's not just an adjunct exercise to the book. To me, to me it, it's like the breathing heart and soul of the book. It's the right. flesh and blood of the book because it's the application of these concepts, but it, it sometimes we have to care so much, we have to care so irrationally about what we're doing that we can say no to the comfort of following a schedule and say yes to allowing our most extraordinary ideas and qualities to shine through. Okay, well, let me ask you, Sally, just to, so I know, what's your archetype? Because you've got 49 archetypes, right? Seven different kind of, uh, I guess, seven archetypes, but a primary and a secondary, so 49 different profiles. What, mm-hmm. is, what is your profile here? Mine is named the catalyst. A catalyst is primary passion, meaning I speak the language of relationship. You can tell yeah. <laughs> I use right. very high vocal intonations. I use a lot of adjectives. Um, my secondary is innovation, like you. You have yes. primary innovation. I have secondary innovation. And um, so I feel very in the flow and, and in the zone and like I can over-deliver when I can be the catalyst. The catalyst three adjectives are... Um, out of the box, social and energizing. Well, so, but- l- l- let me interrupt you for a minute because here's what I want to ask you. So, I know you and I are going to violently agree about what you've just said, which is you know you need to be crazy and and irrational, but it's all worth it. But I wonder how much that's actually just a frame from your archetype. So, if I'm, for instance, a um, like the deadbolt, which is the, the combination of mystique, both primary and secondary, or the, um, the old guard, you know, a combination of trust, uh, or the good citizen. If you're at that end of the, of the archetype, so you're a little more conservative and safe and reliable, do they say the same thing? Or do they go, yeah, Sally, you're just, you're just a bit crazy. Go away, please. Um. Every personality has a way in which it is most likely to deliver and over-deliver, but every personality has a different way of doing it. And when I hire, I used to make the mistake of hiring people who were like me. And so I had a lot of people who were out-of-the-box social and energizing, and nothing was actually getting done. (laughs) And nobody was delivering invoices, and everything was disorganized and chaotic until I finally realized, oh, I don't want to replicate myself. I want to optimize myself. And now I hire personalities very specifically, like you mentioned a moment ago, the good citizen. The good citizens are incredibly stable, and they're, they're principled, they're prepared, they're conscientious. Their gift is to be the hub um, within the chaos that everybody can go to to find out budget, schedules, timelines, deadlines. Well, a good citizen would be a perfect pairing for me. And if I hire a good citizen, 
um, I want them to be become more of who they are. I don't want them to be like me. I want them to be like them. And together, I can optimize them. They can optimize me. And so when I hire people who are very unlike me, like mm. I specifically hire for alert and trust because they're detailed and they're they're um, uh, consistent, then I I carve out their job um, their their, their, their job description and their personality description to say, I don't want you to be a little bit prepared. I don't want you to be a little bit conscientious. I want you to focus exactly on that. And then I support them with all the tools that they need so that they can show up in the same, to the same level of becoming more of who they are. Just like I need that for, for, for my own customers and clients. Nice. So, Sally, we're going to give folks at Box of Crayons a, a chance to check out some of this stuff. Tell, tell us what you're offering, some, a, a select number of people from the Box of Crayons community. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm a huge, longtime Box of Crayons fan, and so uh, we thought it would be cool to put together a code that would allow anybody who's listening to not only take the assessment for free instead of it being $37, you can, you can do it for free, but you can also share it in social media, um, to, on Twitter and Facebook. And the assessment will tell you exactly what Michael and I have been talking about, how, uh, how your personality is most likely to add distinct value. And it's the first step in unlocking how the world sees you at your best. And nice. here's how to do it. Go to howtofascinate.com slash forward slash you, Y-O-U, howtofascinate.com forward slash you. And then the code, cleverly enough, is box, B-O-X. Perfect. And when you take the assessment, it only takes about, uh, it takes about three minutes. It's 28 questions. It's based on this research of 300,000 professionals. And it shows you what people value in you and admire in you and the areas that you're most likely to win so that you can focus on delivering that instead of trying to be all things to all people. You know, we offered a, um, a, a version of this uh, exact uh, profile test um, when we did the Great Work MBA, and one of the consistent pieces of feedback for people was that was the most valuable thing they took away from the Great Work MBA was the chance to kind of get a sense of what their fascinate profile archetype really was. So for everybody listening, this is going to be a great chance for you to dip into this. And there's a ton of great resources that Sally puts out on an ongoing basis. So getting involved in this will give you access to all those additional resources as well. Thank you for, um, thank you for saying that we loved being able to share it with your community before. And I think there was something like 2,500 people did it, which was, it, which was awesome. And now, so this is going to be open in celebration of the launch of the book and it's a, it's, it's a limited amount of time. So if you want to do it and you want to share it, now's the time and put it out there to your community so that you can start to see how other people are most likely to add value. And may I say, it's great marriage counseling. <laughs> Sally, this is a, a terrific book. I mean, it really is high quality um, and and robust and insightful and, and liberating as well. Because once you do get a sense of what your personality profile might be, what your archetype is, it really does help you then go, how do I play to my strengths there so I can show up in the best form that I can, not kind of show up for life. So thank you for this. Mm, I never want to kind of show up for life. Thank you, Michael, for being our role model in, in, in really showing up in life with, with irreverent ideas and all the other things that you do. Perfect. Thanks again, Sally. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this Best of MBS interview. Want more great content? Head to mbs.works. There you'll find MBS's new podcast, Two Pages. You can learn about his best-selling books, and you can join the newsletter. That's mbs.works.